0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. And you can find it on page six of your bulletin if you would like to read along. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we will all we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts.
1: Thank you, Miranda. Let's all pause for a moment and let's pray. Let's pray. God, what we're about to do or what we're doing right now and praying to you it really might be the most important thing we're going to do today, which is to do what's needed to be able to receive most fully from you and your word, to humble ourselves, to open wide the door of our souls, to invite you in. To ask you to speak to us and to remove all resistances, to remove all misunderstandings, to remove the blinders from the eyes of our hearts, that we might see you, that we might see Jesus. And to see his bride, the church, as you long for us to see her and to become her, your church. We ask for your help in this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are finishing up a short three-week sermon series today. It's one that's corresponded with a new year-long initiative across our church, one that we've called One Body, Many Parts. And that language, of course, is taken from this passage and passages like it, in case you've missed it, the vision of One Body, Many Parts, is simply this, that at Grace Meridian Hill, at our church, we want to see every member loving and every member loved. Every single one of you, whether if you've been a part of our church from the beginning five, six years ago, or if you're brand new to our community, stepping in for the first time today, that every single person from the back pew to the front pew to the pulpit would be fully engaged in what you might call body life, being together in God's spirit, being the church, being cared for, loved and well served as we all need because we're broken people living in a broken world. And yet also people that are empowered and charged to do some loving and to do some serving and to do some giving as members of that body. It's a vision that's drawn from the Bible where the human body is used again and again as a metaphor for the church community. Uh, Because in the church, we're told there's unity and there's diversity. Uh, There's solidarity and there's plurality. There's giving and there's receiving. There's loving and there's being loved. We've been looking at different passages in the New Testament. Ephesians 4, Romans 12. And we've been learning a number of things. We've been learning together that being a part of the body of Christ means belonging. It means belonging. We actually hear resonance with this theme right here in verses 12 and 13 from the top of the passage. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. What was the main word repeated again and again? A little literary cue. The word is one. We're called to be together. We're called to belong to one another. You and I are called to be in shared life together in the body of Christ. So much so, do you know, so much are we to be bound up with one another, not just theoretically, but really in our lives, in our emotions, in our conversations, interweaved with each other. That we can say something like what Paul says here in verse 26. That if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In other words, since you share the very life of Christ together. Since you are connected Just like a human body has different parts that are interconnected, if one limb suffers, then the whole body suffers. If one organ suffers, the whole body is doubled over in pain. I encountered this again, this physical reality as a metaphor just a few days ago as I took my daughter to get her flu shot. You should have seen the drama, I tell you. The way in which at the thought, not even the sight, the thought of this little shot coming at her, I give her a lot of mercy and grace. I was the same way as a child. She was having a conniption, as they say. Do we still use that expression, right? Just really freaking out, going nuts, terrified. And the prick of the needle, of course, it affected all of her. A tiny little prick. On one side of her shoulder affected her entire body. There's the analogy. When one part suffers, the entire body suffers. When pain or damage happens to one part of the community, to you, you feel it. When there's damage done to you, you feel it. You bear it. It's your pain. It's your loss. It's damage done to you. One commentator, Anthony Thistleton, offers this insight. In the body of Christ, there are, strictly speaking, no private sufferings. All are shared because there is one life of the whole. This past week, I read a, a, a quick review from a Christian perspective of that new NBC show, This Is Us. I don't know if any of you... Watched it. I haven't watched it, but it's totally my cup of tea. You know, if you want a good cry, it's a sort of show that you want to watch. All different sorts of uh, vignettes of life and broken relationships, and we're hanging in there and we're doing it together. But this is what this review said about how there's lessons about suffering together that we can learn as a picture of the gospel, even from this NBC new series. This is what they say. The gospel calls us to sit on the bathroom floor with the hurting. To be the kind of people who sit cross-legged on the tile, backs to the bathtub, low and broken, and together like family. Who who doesn't want a little bit of that? Who, Who doesn't want that kind of solidarity in suffering? That kind of belonging to one another? This is the invitation. This is what it means to be in the body together, to belong to one another. This is what we are after practically. It's why we are during this season inviting everyone to join into a small group in our church, whether if it's a neighborhood group or if it's our mom's group or if there isn't a group that fits your life stage or need that you talk to us so that we look at possibly forming one for you, some way of being in a smaller, more intimate unit of relationships so that you can be known, so that you can pray together, so that you can walk together, so that you can be wounded together. It's why we want to invite you zealously, as we did earlier, I'll do it again, to come to the fall retreat, because it's amazing what being stuck in a space together With joy and getting to know each other over one weekend can do to just sort of accelerate your relationships in a church community. If you're feeling a little disconnected, come to the retreat. If you want to grow not just alone, but in community, come to the retreat. If you've been feeling lonely, if you've been feeling like you need rest, but you don't want to just do it yourself, you want to do it in a family, come to the fall retreat. These are ways in which we want to call each other to belong because the body is about belonging to one another. Being a part of the body also means contributing, though, and we talked about this last week. Serving people around you, loving others just as Jesus has loved you. Do you know you have an important role? You have a unique place in this local body, Grace Meridian Hill. If you are someone that have professed faith in Christ, if you by God's spirit have been united to Christ, if you are participating in the life of God in Christ, all mysteries of the gospel, then you are necessary to our body. We need you. Do you hear that? We need you. This is what this passage is getting at. Listen to verses 17 to 20. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If, all, if, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Well, the argument is simple, right? There's a reason why we have so many organs and limbs and parts of our body. Because they're meant to be used. They're meant to function each in their unique way. To be a whole body together. And you have two eyes because you didn't need three. And you have one nose because you didn't need two. And you have two arms because you didn't need four. So be The eye that you've been called to be and be the nose that you have been created to be and be the arm that you've been gifted to be and use your gifts and use your abilities and use your God-given passions in love and service to one another. And even as I use that word gifts, which we see in this passage, we talked about it last week, spiritual gifts, what are they? These are talents and abilities that are uniquely empowered by God's Spirit for the building up of Christ's body. Spiritual gifts are simply the unique way that you love most effectively. It it goes with the flow of how God made you. It's ways that God has blessed you to bear fruit of love and care in another person's life. It might be a writing gift that you have, either a note or a long letter that you often use, maybe even unbeknownst to yourself, to lift other people up. It's maybe a a, a special ability you have to connect with people really easily, build relationships. Uh, Maybe you have an administrative gift. Maybe you have a musical gift. Maybe you have a corner bakery gift. Huh? (laughs) Right? Maybe you have... Even something behind the scenes like a support gift. You're a good cheerleader of those who are maybe up front, and you don't want to be up front, so it's not like you're missing out, but you just want to help support things from behind, and you love it. And that's how you know that you're gifted, because you love it and you see fruitful effect when you apply those gifts to other people's lives. Which is why we've said, and we've said again and again, the best way to figure out what your spiritual gifts are is not to sit, just sit, and think, what are my gifts? No, it's to talk to people. It's to be in community. It's to see life in motion and gifts at work, and to get feedback from people, which is why we said we want this season to be a unique time of affirmation where every single person is turning to one another, whether you know each other deeply or just casually, and you start pointing out ways you see people's gifts at work. Hey, you're really good at this. Hey, I've never told you this, but you blessed me in this specific way. Have you considered serving in this capacity? Have you actually signed up for this team because you really got to sign up for this team? Why aren't you up there singing yet? I've heard you sing. To do that as a community and not just as individuals. To be the body and building up the body and actualizing the body in its many parts. To use our gifts as God has created each of us and gifted us in Christ. But notice also how, for Paul, the different body parts that are essential to the body also include people of different ethnicities and social classes. We can't miss this. He's very clear in verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And what's he saying? Because people that represent different ethnic groups and cultures We'll have different gifts to offer. Uh, Different people of different social classes. Different economic standings. Different backgrounds in life. Different family structures. You have something special to contribute to this local community. We need you. Whatever your background. Whatever your history. Because what Paul is telling us is that without you, the full reign of people and gifts represented in Christ's church, we cease being whole. We start to be a, a body that maybe functions in part, but we're limping along because we're missing a leg. In other words, we're missing you. Or where we're able to kind of work really well with our eyes, so to speak, but we're, we got no taste buds because we're missing you. Or maybe because you're here, but you've been hanging around, but you haven't actually been able to dive in. Or maybe you've been too afraid to dive in. Or maybe you're not ready to dive in. Let's be ready. Now is your time to be the taste buds that you were meant to be. To be the ears and the eyes and the eyebrows and the legs and the appendix. Not the appendix. There's no reason for it. No, I don't know, right? Will you help us as a church to be more and so we want to call people to consider different ways of loving and serving next week we're going to have a ministry fair kind of an open house where we're going to just spread out downstairs and and just have uh, opportunity after opportunity with different representatives from different teams telling you about ways that you can serve whether if it's on the welcome team or if it's on the communion setup team whether if it's a teacher of a sunday's kids sunday school class Or if it's ways you can get involved in the neighborhood with kids. Uh, Whether if it's on the music team or if it's to join a neighborhood group or a mom's group. Whatever it might be, the meal team or any team. Including a team maybe that is on your heart that maybe you see we don't have and you want to look into starting up perhaps. Because maybe you're gifted in a way or maybe you hold a passion in your heart that literally maybe nobody else in this room has even though God has which is again another way of saying we really need you and that passion and that expression of the life in the heart of God in his kingdom we need you we need that in this church It's why during this time, not only with the ministry fair, the open house, but we actually are going to ask every single person to consider physically, not physically. Well, yeah, physically, but actually concretely signing up for these teams, not just to have these as ideas, but to plug in. First and foremost, to to ways of belonging. So to plug into a small group, we want to ask you to do that. If you're a part of this church, you need to be a part of a mini community, a group. To be loved and to be served and to be cared for and to grow together and to pray together and to be in fellowship together as the body of Christ. But then we also want to ask you, if you can, to serve the ways in which we are worshiping God on every Sunday. The different teams that support this ministry every single Sunday. Uh, And then we want to call you, if you can, especially if you are a committed member of this church, not to just belong and not just to serve our Sunday body life, but to actually serve your neighbors, to love your neighbors. And so to plug in in ways that you can move out into the neighborhood as a neighborhood church to be loving our neighbors with mercy, compassion, and justice, whether with kids or with adults through DC 127 or our youth outreach ministries or maybe something you got up your sleeve because we want to develop more and more neighborhood ministries. And so we want to call you to engaging and to sign up with something in and something up and something out Uh, each one of those areas of body life to call you to do that. What's it going to be? What's your in, friends? What's what's your serving up? What's your serving out activity? What's it going to be as we grow as a whole body? Many parts doing its part. Each person using the love that God has filled your heart with as Christ has loved you. Each person using the gifts that you've got and occasionally very much so using your weaknesses as well. Because that's how God uses us too. What will it be for you? Each of you essential to the proper functioning of this Grace Meridian Hill body. Where do you fit in? Will you fit in? Will you belong to this body? Of course it's not always easy it's not always easy sometimes we resist sometimes we falter sometimes we face what you might call barriers to healthy body life Uh, reasons and ways in which we kind of step back or step away or we don't engage as we're called to engage as a total body And that actually is the focus of this passage, you know. We've been touching different parts of it. But this is the focus of what Paul was getting at in 1 Corinthians 12. Barriers to healthy body life. And he essentially gives us two. And we're going to finish up with this. Number one, he touches on body parts that are filled with insecurity. Insecurity. Look at verses 15 and 16. Now, if the foot should say because i'm not a hand i do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body and if the ear should say because i'm not an eye i do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body have you ever said to yourself i I don't know if i belong I don't know if my personality is like the personalities of others. H- have you ever identified in yourself, hey, I think I'm pretty good at this, but I don't know if those people care about that. Uh, have you ever said to yourself, I-, I-, I mean, I'm gifted sort of, but it's kind of stupid. It's not that great. I, I mean, I sing, but it's, uh, I don't know. Or I'm I'm actually, I, I love spreadsheets, but that's sort of nerdy. I Never mind. Or I I love hanging out with uh, kids, and I've got this bag of clown costumes, and don't use it, (laughs) not now. No, I'm just kidding. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm a foot, but because I'm not a hand, I ain't it? Or I'm an ear. But because I'm an I, I don't belong. Sometimes this insecurity shows up in the form of envy. Maybe it's because you're an ear and you really wish you were an I. Maybe, quietly, you're an aspiring singer, and every time you hear the music, you have to fight off those quiet thoughts of, like, why couldn't you sing like that? Or you look across the room and you see someone's so, sort of social gifting, the way they can welcome people. And they just never seem awkward. And you're looking at yourself and all your bundle of awkwardness. And you say to yourself, I wish I could be like them. In fact, I, I hate them. <laughs> that thought ever come through your mind? The deep insecurities we have, the uncertainties, the envy. And this is what Paul is asking. Do you disqualify yourself from serving? You have been gifted, but you've told yourself you're not. You are absolutely usable and necessary for the body, but you've told yourself that you are of no use. What gifts, friend, have you been refusing to use? What gifts have you been maybe devaluing, saying, ah, oh, you know, they got nine other fingers. What's one more? <laughs> And yet here we have God's word telling us this the vision of the body meets our insecurity with restored dignity. If you notice what the apostle invites us to do is its reason with him according with this vision of the body of Christ again verse 15 now if the the foot should say because I'm not a hand I don't belong he says it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body just because you feel that way doesn't mean that you actually are right or that your words are true that your suspicions are confirmed you are a part of the body of Christ You cannot disqualify yourself from the love of God that has bound you to the body of his son. You cannot strip off the eternal supernatural gifting of your Savior that he has attached to you. You you can't unbuckle it from you, it's on you, it is you. You may not have spectacular gifts. Your best gifts may not be the most visible, but you are nevertheless essential to the body of Christ. If you are united to Christ, you are a part of the body. You cannot stop being a part of the body. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let yourself tell you otherwise. There's insecurity, but there's also self sufficiency. Self sufficiency. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. There are ways in which our hearts can be filled with, first of all, a little bit of superiority. Hey, my gifts are better than your gifts. And we don't say it normally quite like that, but we can feel it in our hearts. This neighborhood group really wouldn't be the same without me. Or this church or this team, wouldn't they really do need me. And and sometimes we believe this and feel this even with the best of intentions. For example, when you say, I can't not show up, or everything will fall apart without me. And so you're exhausted. Not realizing that one of the reasons why you've been working and serving yourself into the ground is because of a quiet heart of superiority. Ironically. One of the realizations that I had to come to term with. So I spent some time away in the month of April, regrouping, resting up after having crashed and burned. Realizing how much sort of with the the, the the sort of the security of your best intentions, protecting your heart of pride. This pride of feeling like I, I have to do everything for the church to keep going and I have to have my hand in everything and keep building and almost as if to say I'm the only body part that's essential here, and it's just not true, it's not biblical, and it almost killed me. Right? But I never would have noticed it because it sounds good, because I love the church and I want to serve. But it can come from a heart of superiority, which is why. Part of being a healthy body means also calling people not to do too much. For a hand not to feign like you are three hands. Or for an eye not to try to do the job of an ear. At least not for more than a season. There might be a need that you are in love and sacrifice called to cover. But to do it perpetually will not only lead to burnout, it will lead to a grotesque body. Let the ear be the ear, dear eye. Make room for the ear to show up. We've got some ears in here. You're really good at being an eye. <laughs> right? And so even more than just calling people to serve and to jump in, for some of you, one body of many parts means jump out. Stop serving in eight ways. Make room for others. Let's be more whole together. Paul points us not only to this superiority, but a way in which it can actually manifest as self-sufficiency. Where you sort of feel like, hey, I don't need you because I got it together. I can do it myself. I can do it. Life, my self, a body part of one. Instead, the vision of the body that we're given meets our self-sufficiency with a radical call to interdependency. To need each other. To lean on each other. To serve and to receive from each other. Every body part doing its part, loving and building up the body as you have been gifted and called to do. Interdependency. What does that mean? Well, what it means, first of all, for your growth, your personal growth is this. You cannot grow spiritually apart from the body of Christ. Disconnected from the other appendages that are meant to care for you and love you, you are like a severed arm lying on the ground. If you're trying to do life, even life in Christ, apart from the church, you need to belong. You need to belong, dear friends. You need to jump on in and join. Maybe someone says, I think I've done it, though. I can be a Christian without belonging to a local church, a body. Well, it's sort of like, yeah, I'm saying I can stay alive on a diet of just bread and water. Now, that might be technically true. You might not die, but you might not be healthy. You might not even be fully alive. And you might die. To really grow and flourish spiritually, you must belong. You must serve. You must be served in the body of Christ, overcoming the myth of self-sufficiency. This is for your growth. This is also for mission. Because no individual Christian has all the gifts. It's like you're trying to run out into battle with only half a body. If you're not actually trying to gather around yourself as many possible limbs and organs to be a functioning body together. Because the full range of gifts can only be found in the church as a whole. So each Christian needs each other. You need each other. We need each other. We need you. Will you join us? See, we're called to be a church that overcomes insecurity, having the dignity of knowing that we're called to be together, overcoming our self-sufficiency and superiority with a learned interdependency and we need to not disqualify us ourselves or devalue our role and our necessity in the body or to devalue and to deny the importance and role of others but you see that's not just an individual calling that's a communal calling see you got to understand the apostle is actually talking into a specific context when he's writing these words The Corinthian church in the first century was a church that was fast-growing and very, very impressive. Built as multiple gatherings throughout a very cosmopolitan city called Corinth. Filled with a lot of people that were very, very gifted. People that were very initiative-taking. People that were very impressed with themselves. And what had begun to stir within that church was kind of a hierarchy of gifts. Hey, these are the ones we think are really cool. And these, well, we can tuck you away in the closet. Here are the people that are really impressive. And these are the ones that, okay, you're part of the church, but why don't you sit in the back row back there? Uh, Here are the people that are really making a difference. And here are the people that, well, we'll kind of humor them and let them sort of play along like children. And did you know that the ways in which they were doing this included not just people's giftedness, but also their social class? The way in which they were giving preference to those with education, preference to those with fuller bank accounts, with social status and titles. Which so often happens even in the church today in which people of greater social power are given greater social standing even in the church. And the apostle is addressing this worldliness that has infected the life of the church. And he's saying, look, what is the community culture, the climate that you have been forming? What are the standards of evaluation? What what are the ways in which you are communicating as a church who is favored and who is not? Who is needed and who is not? What gifts are essential and which are non-essential? Which people have real impact and which ones don't? Leading some people to say, "Verse fifteen, because I'm a foot, I'm a, but because I'm not a hand, even though I'm a foot, I don't belong to the body." Or an ear that says, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Because I'm not gifted like him. Or because my gifts aren't as impressive or visible. Because I'm a behind-the-scenes person, I'm not really a part of this body. Because I don't have a certain level of education, I'm not really a part of this body. Because I can't do things so snazzily as that person can when they plan events, I'm not really a part of this body. Uh, because I, I, I don't really have impact in the way that makes the evening news, I'm not really a part of this body. Or others that say, well, yeah, actually, you're right. You're not. Uh, I don't really need you. We don't really need you, but you can hang around. Uh, But, you know, we're really the ones that run the show over here. Verse 21. I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Do you see this dynamic? No, here's the question. Do you see this dynamic at all? In here. Or the ways in which we are excluding people as a church? What are the gifts we celebrate? What are the gifts that we forget? Who are the people that we sort of nudge out to the margins of the life of the church that we need to draw back into the center? What are the gifts that we sniff at? What are the gifts that we kind of uh, communicate, maybe non-verbally, that are nice but not needed? Which goes against everything that we've been studying in these passages that says every single one is needed. Every single one of you are necessary to the body of Christ. Who are we in danger of making to feel like second-class citizens in the church? It's an affront not just to the individual or to the group of individuals that suffer in that way, it's an affront to Christ himself. Which is why the apostle says, look, don't you know, verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. Friends, what are ways in which we can go out of our way to take gifts or personalities or groupings of people that maybe the world has written off or people have taught us to say that's not as important, but that we as a church, in Jesus' name, need to communicate you are indispensable. Because what Paul is telling us is that, in fact, those who are overlooked are often far more indispensable to the life of the church than you'll ever imagine. Those that do things that are unimpressive, quote-unquote, and unseen sometimes are far more critical to body life even than those who are more spectacularly gifted and publicly impressive. The apostle continues in verse 22, the parts that we think are less honorable than we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. And in mid-verse 24, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. In other words, what are ways in which we can observe and notice that here is a kind of gift, and here is a kind of person that normally might be overlooked according to the standards of the world, and we will not have that in here? Not according to... To the principles of the cross. Not according to the life of Christ. Not according to the priorities of God. Where we will go out of our way, Paul instructs us, to honor those who might appear to be weaker. Or who might seem to be less necessary or unpresentable or less honorable. Those are the ones we go out of our way to honor. You. If you have felt less noticed or dishonored. We apologize, we repent, and we want to honor you. This is the body of Christ at work, work serving each other, loving each other, even correcting one another. What is the life that we are living here? What, what is the community environment that we are creating? What are the benchmarks that we are erecting, that we are abiding by? Are we being one body with many active parts? A church where every member is loving and every member is loved. Paul Stevens is a professor on the West Coast at a seminary and he wrote a a book that's helpful on this topic called Liberating the Laity, and he writes this. In a church that recognizes that every member is given grace from Christ, every member will be prized, every ministry will be appreciated, every differing experience of the grace of Christ will be treasured. Such an environment will communicate, we need you. Don't you want to be a church Like that. Don't you want to be a part of a church where you hear that? Both in what is spoken as well as in what is modeled and demonstrated. The subtext in every corner of community life. Dear friends, do you hear it? We need you. Will you jump on in? Will you engage what is really one of the greatest, most spectacular privileges that we have in the gospel? Don't you hear it? The privilege of knowing that you are not only forgiven of your sins if you would embrace Jesus, you are not only freed from condemnation and guilt, you have been counted as fit to serve the King. You have been given the privilege of participating in the work of extending Christ's eternal kingdom. You have been given the honor of building up his supernatural body, the church. You've been given the joy of being an agent of transformation in your brothers' and sisters' lives. This is the privilege that you have been given The only question that remains is, will you embrace it? Will you embrace Christ himself? Will you embrace his body? Let's pray. Jesus, we need your wisdom to know then how to respond each person in their own way. Because we've got the full range of people. Some that need to engage in this way and others that need to engage in that way. Uh, We pray that you would help us to follow you and to walk by faith. Show us how to be this kind of church, God. We long for it in our infrastructure, in our ministry teams, in our individual relationships. We want to love well. We want to receive love well. We want to be a clear reflection of the body of Christ. Please help us. We thank you in advance for all the help we know you will give us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.